Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's start by praying. Father God, we thank you for the word of your power, the power of your word. Father, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would illuminate this word to us, Father. We ask that you would cause this message to really take root in our heart, Lord, and that it would bear fruit, cause it to fall on fertile soil, on fertile ground, Lord, for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is Resetting Your Relationship with God. Resetting Your Relationship with God. So years ago, I was introduced to what is called the Spiritual Health Audit. Now, this is a tool that is actually developed by Go Christian Church, and it is basically a 360 degree assessment of key issues in a believer's life that help them gauge their progress across a spectrum of personal dynamics. And, and these generally range from historical issues, devotion, stewardship, purity, um, steward, uh, relationships, marital relations, personal development, and outreach. But what it does is this set of questions, when answered honestly and humbly, they really help us ascertain what we need to do in order to rise to our next level in our spiritual journey. So as I begin this message, I'd like to pose a few questions to you, some of which have been adapted from this spiritual health audit. And as I pose these questions, I would like you to encourage you to assess the status of your relationship with God, your relationship, not your, your friends, not your spouse, not your child, but your relationship with, with God. The first question I'm going to ask you is, how are you feeling about your relationship with God in this season? How are you really feeling about God in this season. Do you feel close to him? Are you carrying any anger toward God? Are you having your quiet times with God? Are you spending time with God? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? What is God talking to you about? Are you feeling fulfilled in your relationship with God? Is there unrepentant sin in your life? What have you stopped doing regarding your relationship with God that you shouldn't have? And what do you need to do in order to take your relationship with God to its next level? I really want to encourage you in the next couple of days to take an audit of your relationship with God and just ask the Holy Spirit, ask God what it is that you need to be doing more or you need to be doing less. But the whole idea is that your relationship goes to another level. Now, I don't know where you are and I really pray and my heart is that as I preach this, this message this morning is that something would shift in your heart, that something would be recharged within you that your passion for God would be rekindled, that you would be encouraged to rise from every slumber, every sloth, every inaction. And I really pray, and it's my heart's desire, that as you listen to this message, that you'll be invigorated, you'll be reinvigorated to reset 
your relationship with God in areas that you need to. Our main text is from Colossians 1. Colossians 1, we're going to be looking um, at verses 1 to about 14. And uh, from there, we will look at some key uh, some keys to help us reset our relationship with God. I'm going to start reading Colossians 1 from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossum, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 goes on to say, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. In verse 7, Paul goes on to say, As you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who has declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is a very powerful passage of scripture and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to unpack it and as I unpack it, I'm going to also extract keys to resetting our relationship with God. I'm going to extract about seven keys to resetting our relationship with God from this passage of scripture. So the first thing that Paul says to this church is he says to them, do not cease to pray for others. Do not cease to pray for others. You see, what happens, and most of you would know this, what happens is that when you pray for others, something happens to you. Something changes you. There's something in you that changes when you pray, more so when you pray for others. Not only does it encourage you, not only does it boost your faith, but it also takes away selfishness because you're focusing on the needs and the concerns of that very person that you're praying for. So when you pray for people, it is important that we ask them for specific requests so that our prayers are incisive, direct, and impactful. 
So this means that Paul was basically saying to this church in Colossae, he was saying that what, what's happening is that we are praying for you consistent, consistently. You are forever in our hearts, on our hearts. We think about you. We are concerned about your spiritual, your physical, your social welfare. And as I thought about this, I was very cha challenged to ask myself, how many people do I really consistently pray for? Or do I just wait for crisis situations where you hear, oh, this is happening, this person needs healing, or they need to come out of this particular situation. But Paul here says, we do not cease to pray for you. We are concerned for you. We all, you're always on our hearts and um, on our minds. Would it make a difference if we consistently prayed for each other? How about even in the work environment? Would it make a difference if we consistently prayed for our, for our, for our corporations, for our companies, for our, our businesses? Would it really make a difference? Do you consistently pray for your boss? Do you consistently pray for your stakeholders, your service providers? How about in the church? Do you consistently pray for the church family, for the families in your church, for the people you, you worship with? Do you consistently pray for them? How about at home? How about in your family, uh, your, your, maybe your biological family? Do you often pray for them? And so Paul Ott says to, to this church, we do not cease to pray uh, for you. And often we like people to pray for us. It's so easy to just call up somebody and say, you know what, I'm going through this. Why don't you just uh, please help me pray, you know, keep me in your prayers. It's so easy. We like doing that. But we are never, sometimes we are never ready to do that for others. And so we need to remember that we must not demand from others what we, we ourselves are not willing to offer or to do for others. How often do you pray for others? Paul says, we do not cease to pray for you. I remember a couple of months ago, um, a family member of mine uh, faced a very difficult situation. And it was one of those situations that just needed God. You know, unless God comes through, there, there was no hope for, for, for breakthrough. And so basically what happened within the, the families that uh, Zoom prayer sessions were set up for a season as, um, yeah, as we stood by this uh, a family member of, of mine and we prayed and trusted God for, for, for breakthrough. And I remember saying to myself, you know what, I really want to be part of that. I really want to be part of those prayer sessions. I want to pray. I want to trust with them for their breakthrough. And, uh, but what happened in the process is I found myself praying with family and friends that I don't ordinarily pray, for, pray with. And so what it did was it exposed me to dimensions of prayer that I had never known. And I started learning something about the heart of God and my life was really changed. During that time, I really believed that God added an arrow into my prayer quiver that I didn't have previously. So it is important that we do not cease to pray for others. And so practically, what are some of the practical tools we can look at in order to do this effectively? So how about starting in your church environment? 
Say, for instance, you choose a family to pray for. Choose a family to, to, to pray for. The following week, you select another family or you select somebody else in your, in your church and you just, you just start praying for them. Or even in your family, praying for a sibling, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe it's your grandparents praying for them consistently and not waiting, having to wait for crisis situations. And even praying for those family members that are, you know, we do have those, you know, family members that are not always easy to get on with. You know, keep them in your prayers. Keep praying for, for them, praying for, for others. So, yeah. And so what I have done is I have um, uh, crafted a prayer, crafted a, a prayer that can really help us to um, grow in this, in this area. And I want to encourage you to craft your own or adapt it, make it work for you, personify it, etc. And uh, But it just helps um, when we have crafted prayers. In other words, remember crafted prayers are specific prayers for a specific reason um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a season that you can use to, pre, uh, to pray to God. So my crafted prayer for this point uh, that we should not cease to pray for others is, Father God, I ask that you forgive me for where I have been so self-centered that I have forsaken the habit of praying for others. I ask that you would give me a heart for those in my church family, that I may pray for them and speak your word over their lives. Give me a heart for those in my family, some of whom may not be easy to get on with. Show me your heart for them, that I may see them the way you see them. Give me a revelation of what it really means to pray for others without ceasing. In Jesus' name, I pray. The second key to resetting your relationship with God it comes from the next verse. Paul says, be filled with the knowledge of his, of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he says to, he, to, the, to the church in Colossus, we do not cease to pray for you because of your faith, your love for God, your love for the saints. But we pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I remember reading that and saying to myself, you know what? I'd so love it. Imagine if somebody were to say to you, you know, call you and say, hey, them, I've been praying for you. And this is what I've been praying. I've been for praying that you always be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And there you can actually, when you read that scripture, you can feel Paul's heart. You know, he'd be, so being filled, this means that Paul didn't want them to have the knowledge of Christ, of his will, in half measures, but in all its fullness. He wanted them to have the knowledge of, 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 his, of, of his will at optimum levels, fulfilling levels of his will, meaningful dimensions, his will, his design for, for them, his plan for them, his purpose for them. 
And I want to encourage us that part of resetting our relationship with God is actually desiring to know his will for our lives. Lord, what is it that you want me to do in this season? What are you doing in my life? What should I do? What should I get into? You know, how is how can I completely fulfill your will for my life in this in this in this season? And so this was Paul's heart for the church in in Colossus that they would understand the God's design for them, God's plans for them, God's purposes for for them. I like what it says in Psalm 139 from verse 13. It says, "For you formed my inward parts; you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully." And wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. It goes on to say, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You saw my eyes saw, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And what I like about that psalm is it basically shows us, it convinces us that when God created us, he, he knew, he created us it, it, with a purpose. He knew every day, all the days that had, were fashioned for us. He knew every life stage we would, we would go through. And so part of understanding God's will for us, for our lives, is understanding that we were created with a purpose. We're just not existing. When God created us, it was always within the confines of his will. It was always for him for his kingdom, for his, for his glory. So the outworking of God's will for our, for our life, fearfully and wonderfully made for a reason, made in secret for God's agenda, to advance God's purposes, designed for God's pleasure. Every day of your life has been fashioned to fulfill nothing but God's will for your life, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel like it every day or not, but that's God's desire for our lives. So what does that mean from a practical perspective? We need to ask God to fulfill us with the knowledge of his will. We need to ask that God fill us with the knowledge of your will. And that ask just doesn't, this knowledge of his will doesn't come from wishing. We actually just have to ask. And as we become filled with the knowledge of his will, what happens is that it shifts us. It resets our levels of intimacy and depth in him. The more you understand what God wants you to do, what God is doing in your life, it enhances that intimacy that we have or should have with, with him. It deepens our relationship, our passion, our desire for God. So we must remember that it is essential that we know that perfect will. God's perfect will for our lives. We need to ask God to fill us with the knowledge of his, of, of his, of his will. I like what it says in James 4, verse 2 to 3. It says, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss 
that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we need to ask God. But when we ask God, we need to ask with wisdom so that we are asking for the right things. So we need to ask God that we may know his will for our lives, that his will that we may know and grasp and understand his will for each season of our, our lives. We also need to seek him in prayer to set time aside to 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 present to set time aside to really know what's on his heart and not just to present our requests. I remember when I was thinking about this, I asked myself how many times do I come before God and it's all about my request, what I want, you know, ask God for, for the feel good requests to suit my comfort. And I had to stop and say to myself, how often do I go to God and say to him, Lord, but what's on your heart? What's on your heart um, for me? We also need to learn to be quiet in his presence, to be quiet in his presence so that we may hear him we can understand, we can hear what he is saying to us. We need to immerse ourselves in his word, for his word is our perfect will for us. We also need to revisit and call out the prophecies that God has given us. You know, they could be scriptures, they could be words that he has given us that we can really stand on and encourage each other and believe that God will fulfill his word and see these promises uh, through. We need to wage war according to the words, the promise, the prophecies that God has given to us. I like what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. He says, this charge I commit you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You may wage the good warfare. I get so encouraged, like in prayer meetings, when, when I hear people passionately, you know, praying and declaring and standing on scriptures and words that God has given them for their lives. It just makes you see them differently. And I know, and you have experienced it, you and I know that when we grasp God's will for our life, it changes our outlook on life. And I want to ask you this question. What are you actively doing to fulfill, to fill yourself with the knowledge of God's will? And so let's look at a crafted prayer that you could pray um, in regard to this key. Father God, I pray that you may fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Father, develop in me a hunger for the things of heaven that I may be attracted to your vision for, for my life, that your will for me may become your will for my life, that I may be aligned to your mind all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And I know probably some of you are thinking, you know what? Yeah, 
yes, Vim, I know God has given me some prophecies. You know, there's the word that I'm standing on and there's scriptures that I'm standing on. I know it will happen somewhere, you know, in the sweet by and by someday. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to revisit those prophecies, those scriptures, the word that God has given you. I want to encourage you, like Paul says to Timothy, to wage war according to those prophecies, to call them out, to, to stand on them, not to lose hearts. Because it's not about us, but it's about God advancing the purposes of his kingdom. We need to reset our thinking around the will of God for our lives. We need to reset our strategy around how we pray for our destiny. Our destinies are not just going to happen the way God wants them if we just sit around and not do anything about them. We need to be proactive. We need to step out. We need to pray and claim those scriptures, the word that God has given us. We need to reset our plans, our strategies regarding how we are going to wage war according to the word of God for our lives. So I want to really encourage you that, that we, do, we do that. The third key, Paul says, we're praying that you walk in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And when we talk about the wisdom, the wisdom of God, it's about tapping into the mind and the ability of God. Not just that, not just tapping into the mind and ability of God, but doing that at the right time, refraining from doing what we feel is right, you know, what we feel is right to us. And I know, you know, we all have our opinions, but rather aligning to what the Holy Spirit is, is saying. It is about acknowledging that there is a God whose ways are better than ours, whose thinking is better than ours, that God has got better foresight concerning the things of our lives than we have. God works from eternity to where we are. He's been to where we haven't been. He works from, he works, he's been to the future where we haven't been. So he knows things we don't, we don't, we don't know. So it is important that we are aligned to his wisdom. I like what it says in Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3. It says, when he was talking about um, the Son of God, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. It is very clear from this scripture that wisdom and understanding, they're actually a spirit. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So it is important that when we pray for wisdom, we just don't say, oh Lord, you know, help me with wisdom. Give me a little bit of wisdom. Ask for the spirit. It is a spirit, the spirit of wisdom. And understanding in Ephesians 1 from verse 11, it says, verse 11 to 12, it says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Isn't that beautiful? The counsel of his will that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And so here, it is important that we walk in wisdom and understanding in everything to do with life, all of life, not just pockets here and there, but all of life. Imagine someone 
praying for you for these type of things consistently. Wisdom and understanding in every circumstance. This is what Paul was praying. We pray that you walk in his wisdom. Wisdom and understanding in every circumstance, for every season, for the mountains and the valleys in our lives. Wisdom and understanding in the things of God, in his word, in his spirit, in his ways, in his virtues. Wisdom and understanding concerning the work of our hands, our ministry, our trade, our career, our business. That's God's heart for us. So what are the, some of the practical tools we can look at in this, um, regarding this, this key? We need to reset how we, make, how we make decisions. We need to develop a lifestyle of always making decisions with God. I don't know how old you are, you know, but if you're sitting and listening to this, to this, to this message, you are probably, you know, you, 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 you probably have the um, uh, capability of understanding. So which means you, you, you've probably gone through a number of years of, of, your, of your life. But rem imagine if every decision you ever made from the time you were, I don't know, a toddler to now, however old you are. Imagine if every decision you ever made was led of God, was led of the, the Spirit. So we need to ask for the wisdom of God to dwell in us. And remember, King Solomon did. A, a fool of a, a King Solomon did. He asked God for wisdom. So if a king did it, why can't we do it? I'm sure we can. In James 1 verse 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the, by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So here, James encourages us to ask for that wisdom. We need to reset our life as we need to reset how our life is directed. We need to live in the spirit, living in the spirit, surrounded by the spirit of God, surrounded by the spirit of wisdom. And the question I want to ask you is, how much of a priority is it to you to walk in God's wisdom and spiritual understanding? In Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. A crafted prayer for this key would be something like this. And I want to encourage you, develop your own, craft your own and uh, something you'll enjoy praying from time to time. But here is an example of a crafted prayer you could use um, regarding this key. Father God, I pray that I may be, that I may consistently walk in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I ask that I may walk in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of God. Help me to have an understanding of the times and seasons of my life that I may know what to do in every occasion. In Jesus' name, I pray. All right, and the fourth key is 
Paul prays his, he, in, in his prayer to the church in Colossus, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now, walking worthy of the Lord, this is when, this is when as I was thinking about it, yeah, I thought to myself, this is when people look at your life. They look at your life, but they don't see you. They see Jesus. They see everything about Jesus. It's almost like you're exuding this fragrance of Jesus. They see Jesus. They look at your conduct and they become attracted to Christ. And I want to ask you a question. I want to ask us a question this morning. Do people, can people look at your life and say, you know what? When I look at you, I see Christ. When I look at you, I'm attracted to Christ. Paul is praying for this church and he says, we are praying that you may walk worthy of Christ. Like what it says in Acts 17, 28, it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your poets have said, for we also are his offspring. We live in him, in Christ we live, we move and have our being. That is what it means to walk worthy of Christ, to live, to move, to have our being in Christ. So in Christ we derive our thinking, in Christ we derive our words, in Christ, we, we derive everything that makes us, everything about ourselves. We derive our disposition, our demeanor, our character, and our, our behavior. So walking worthy of the Lord is fully living like Him, completely moving in Him as per His guidance and having our being and existence consistently in no other person but in, in Christ. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you are a believer, guess what? It says here that because that you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, the image of Christ, the nature of Christ, the person of Christ, the being of Christ, predestined to be that. Isn't that beautiful? So practically, what, is that, what does this mean? We need to reset how we do things. We need to find out the things that are attractive to Jesus and ask him to to make us become that we need to ask him to show us areas in our lives that are out of alignment with him we need to repent and begin a journey of alignment to him alignment to christ and we know this if you want to please your loved one what do you do you do you find out the things that that please them the things they like the things that they you know that uh uh, they find attractive and you begin to do to do those things and as I was thinking about this you know I say to myself if we are to walk worthy of Christ of Jesus what are the things that Jesus liked what are the things that bless him what are the things that really um, will help us become that in Matthew 5 it says in verse 3 it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In, in, in verse 5 it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit 
um, the earth. Blessed are those in verse 6 who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those uh, um, are the pure in heart in verse 8, for they shall see God. These are the things that draw us to God. These are the things that if we do more and more, they really help us reset our relationship with God. So we need to reset what we focus on, fully pleasing him. And how do you please your loved one? You do so by doing those things that they like they appreciate. In Psalm 147 verse 11, it says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. So are you wanting God to take pleasure in him? That means we need to walk in the fear of God. We need to walk in, in reverence of, of, of him. We need to walk in awe of him. So those are the things that will cause him to take pleasure in us. And as we do that more and more, we become conformed to the image of his son. I like what it says in Isaiah 66 too, but on this one will I look on him who is point of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. And as you read that, you wonder, so does it mean there are other people God doesn't look at? I wonder. I'll leave you to decipher that one. The question I want to ask you this morning is, what in your life is not in alignment with walking a life worthy of the Lord. And what are you doing about it? And what would be an example of a crafted prayer we could pray um, regarding this, this key? And here's one. Father God, help us to walk a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, that we may seek to please Christ in all that we are and do. Father, may that be our daily focus. May our lifestyle be to be conformed to the image of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. The next key is Paul says that we're praying that you'll be fruitful in every good work. Fruitful in every good work. Now, fruitfulness talks of life talks of flourishing, talks of thriving and blossoming and, and being prosperous in, in every good work. And it's interesting here that Paul says we want you to be fruitful in, in every good work. And that's how we are praying for you. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose hearts. And good work is only is not only towards those who can return the favor, otherwise it becomes a transaction, but good deeds should also be toward those who will never be able to return favors or that particular favor to us. In Proverbs 19, it says, he who has, verse 17, it says, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. So when we do good, when we're fruitful in every good work, God will repay us. So what does this mean on a practical level? We need to ask the Lord to show, 
to show us someone to help and support in this season. Now, this can be prayer support. This can be maybe just giving them a call and checking in and finding out maybe they need emotional support. It might even be uh, maybe they, you might be able to be in a position to give them some material support. Take a few things from your pantry and drop them off at the gate or it might be taking a meal some practical way so no matter where you are or what are you going through in your life there's definitely some good some kindness that you can show to someone and my question to you is what difference have you made in someone's life this week this last week and what would be a crafted prayer we can pray Father, may we flourish in every good work. Help us to be a, gen a generous generation concerned over the needs of others. Help us do this with cheerful hearts. May we not hold back in our giving or in any good work. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to encourage you, craft your own prayer regarding this particular key to resetting your relationship with God and pray um, Use that prayer as, as, as you grow in this. The sixth key is Paul goes on to say that you may increase in the knowledge of God. Increase in the knowledge of God. And um, what I appreciate about this is that I, I don't think there's an ending to ever understanding the, the, the knowledge or understanding God. So it's, it's knowledge of his nature, it's knowledge of his person, his mind, embracing the fullness of what is encapsulated um, in his person, in his, in his names. You know, Elohim, my creator, knowing him as the creator. You know, Jehovah, my Lord, the, my Lord God, El Shaddai, my supplier, Adonai, my master, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Jehovah, Makadesh, my sanctifier, his, his, his name, so many, and it's understanding his nature. I like what it says in, in Psalm 119 verse 11, because it's also about knowledge in his word, knowledge of his word. It says, my word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's about knowing him experientially to know what it means to dwell in his tabernacle, in his secret place, to know what it means to be with him in his throne room, to know his word, to walk in his, in his word. In Psalm 91 verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Most High to know his spirit to know his son. So practically, what does this mean? We need to reset the way we, we manage certain disciplines in our lives. There are disciplines that have to be maintained if we really want uh, to achieve uh, you know, good things in our lives. It's even like if we know that if you, you wanna be fit, you wanna be healthy, we know you gotta train, you gotta eat well, it's a discipline. And the same with God. To grow in the knowledge of God, we need to grow in certain disciplines. We need to ask for the grace for discipline. It's a grace, you know. It's not easy to be disciplined when it comes to reading the word, uh, you know, uh, spending time with God. 
We need to be disciplined when, to, when it comes to, 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 to pray, to read the word, to listen to God, to be, to be discipled. All those are things we need to become disciplined in. These things are not a priority unless they are in your daily routine. So we need to ensure that they form part and parcel of our daily routine. And what would be a crafted prayer to pray as we grow in this uh, key? Father God, help us to increase in the knowledge of you, to increase in the knowledge of your word, that your word may be our guide and our lead, that we may increase in the knowledge of your son and in the knowledge of your Holy Spirit, the knowledge of your person, that we may know you, Lord, experientially, that we may find fulfillment in you and you pleasure in us. In Jesus' name we pray. And then the seventh and final key is that Paul says, we praying, we are praying that the Lord may strengthen you with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with, with joy. To strengthen you with all might. Strengthen you with all might. I like what it says in Mark 16, verse 17 to 18. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Strengthened with all might. Paul says we are praying that you may be strengthened, not with a little bit of might, not with some might, but with all might. And we know that might speaks of his, uh, power. Might speaks of strength for, for every need. Might in our inner person. Might in our minds. Might in our emotions, in our intellect, in our imagination. Might in our words. How would you want it that every time you appear anyway in your family at work, that you, you, the words of power ooze out of you, mites in our actions, stepping out in signs, in wonders, reflecting the might, the power of the, the Holy Spirit. And so what does this mean practically? We need to reset our attitude to allow ourselves to be supple before God and recognize that it is him who gives power to the weak. In Isaiah 40, it says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait in on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. We need to reset our hearts and step out in boldness and walk in the power of what God has vested in us. We need to be bold to be enough to be praying for people to be laying hands like we saw in Mark 16, to be laying hands on the sick. You know, even if you pray for them over uh, uh, the phone, you know, raise, you know, raise the dead, believe God for the impossible. And so the question I want to ask you is in which areas of, our, of your life should you be stepping out in boldness and walking in the might of the Holy Spirit?
And here's a crafted prayer that you could uh, adapt and, um, as, as, and help and, and pray. Father God, we ask that you would strengthen us with all might. We pray that you would encourage us to step out and walk in your power. Your power released, Lord, in signs, wonders, and miracles. That you'd strengthen us with might in our inner man. May we walk in the revelation that we are partakers of the same power that raised Christ from the dead. In Jesus' name, we pray. And I just want to encourage you as I conclude this message, I want to encourage you that God has never stopped believing in us. And that as we live in the spirits, we begin to live in the processes of God's mind and act according to his divine will. I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you to develop the stamina to ascend to levels in God that you've never experienced. Don't tell yourself that, you know, no, no, this is all I can ever get in God, but God is so much more in us. I want to encourage you and I want to, ask that uh, my heart's desire is that the Holy Spirit would open in you channels of, of, of his spirit that you may uh, fully receive him and allow him to flow mightily in you. I really want to encourage you this morning that uh, you would step out and hunger and thirst for his righteousness, for the presence of God, that you would transcend to realms where the flesh you know, cannot, cannot go, that you'd push yourself to go up, that you'd exchange human strength for God's strength, that you'd fully tap into God. I pray that uh, you would reset your relationship with God where you need to and that things will shift and change in your life. Let's pray. And as I pray, I want to pray these words of Paul, these, these, these very scriptures um, over your lives, over your families. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for everybody who is watching, who is listening to this message, Lord. Father, even as Paul prayed, I pray for them wherever they are, Lord. Father, I pray, I ask, Lord, that you may that they may be filled with the knowledge of your will, Father, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I pray that all the days of their lives they may walk worthy of the Lord, that they may fully please you, please your Son. Father, that you may cause them to be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God and strengthened with all might, Lord, according to your glorious power, for all patience, long-suffering, and joy. Father, may they walk in the fullness of this prayer, of these words that Paul prayed to the people in Colossus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for, for listening, and may God bless you, and please do stay safe.